Well, good morning. We have a brief special moment for us as the children make their way back. A couple weeks ago, we as a church membership uh, voted to add a number of new members to our church family, and we had a gift to give them. And uh, four of them were unable to be here in the service that day, and so we want to recognize them uh, this morning. If they are all here, and I hope they are, I think they might be, I'm looking around to see if I can see them. And I see two of the four, and we're going to give it a shot. And I will just hand deliver it to uh, the one family if they are unable to be here uh, this morning. So uh, we recognized um, four new members that weren't here that Sunday. Can I have two elders up here uh, to deliver these books? Uh, Brad, you want to come on up? And then who else? Who's the, the nearest? Dave. Great. Great. And so uh, our new members are Gary and Kathy Stowell, if they could stand up. And uh, Brad, can you deliver this and we can welcome them into our church family in person? And then Tom and Valerie Roland, are they here? Are they there? They are. You were hiding. Uh, Dave, bring this to them. Tom and Valerie are here. So with Gary and Kathy and Tom and Valerie, we love you. We have been blessed by the four of you and all of our other new members. Uh, You bring life and light of Jesus Christ into our church family. Uh, As two men and two women, you bring uh, the diversity of God's beautiful creation added to our church family. We've loved getting to know you, to hear your testimonies, to learn some of the stories and trials the Lord has brought you through. And it is just a privilege to count you as members of our church. Can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you right now? Heavenly Father, thank you for Tom and Valerie and Gary and Kathy. Thank you for their hearts and how you made them new in Jesus Christ. Thank you for their history and their story of what they've been through and what you have gotten them through. You have been faithful to them. And so help us receive them well as a church family to learn from their wisdom, to be inspired by their testimony, to serve alongside of them and to pray for them and to praise your name when they have a victory. And to lift them up before your throne for grace and mercy in their times of need. We count it a privilege that you have added them to our church family. Help us receive them as a gift. Thank you, Father, for Tom and Valerie and Gary and Kathy. Gifts from you for our good and your glory. Be with them and us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you. Love you. Great. Well, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 3. Psalm 3. As you're turning there, uh, I want to explain a little bit about how we preach here at Cornerstone. Uh, Last Sunday, we finished a four-week series on Galatians chapter 4. And what we were doing is taking a, a microscope and staring at Galatians 4, looking at it very carefully and making sure we parse every single word. Sometimes we preach an entire chapter in a Sunday. Sometimes in the past we've preached a whole book in a Sunday. And what we try to do here in the normal rhythm and diet of our church preaching is uh, to preach expositionally. 
Our main goal is whenever we have a text before us, as the preachers here, to preach the text and make the main points of this text the main points of the sermon. And so we're back in our Psalms series for the next three weeks. And today we'll be in Psalm 3. And expositional preaching is taking the message of Psalm 3 and clearly proclaiming it for our hearts to respond to, to glorify God, and then to obey with joy the Lord, whatever he puts on our heart from the text. On occasion, we will take a topic and find passages in Scripture that help us understand that topic better, and that's topical preaching. And there can be a place for that if done carefully and well. But the normal rhythm of the church preaching ministry here at Cornerstone is expositional preaching. So all week I've been looking at and studying Psalm 3, and we're going to ask our Heavenly Father now to impress the main points and text of Psalm 3 on our hearts for our good and for his glory. And so before I read Psalm 3, let me set the stage. The Psalms are songs, and the songs of Psalms teach our hearts and minds how to think about God, how to glorify God in certain situations that we face in life. And if you're going through something in your life, you can find one or 15 psalms that speak acutely to the feelings and fears that you have. And that speak acutely to your mind to remind you of who God is for such a time as this. And the situation going on in Psalm 3 is when your biggest enemy is in your family. Is there anything more difficult than having great antagonism from someone in your family? Psalm 3 is a psalm of David speaking to us to know how to glorify God and to know who God is and what he will provide for us when our greatest enemy shares our last name. So, This should be a nourishing meal for many of us. And I trust the Lord has prepared something special for all of our hearts because that's what he does. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer and then I'll read our text. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for adding to our church family. Thank you for our visitors today. May you impress your words upon them. Lord, I ask that you would open a heart or two or many for salvation if some are here that don't know your saving grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. Father, open our hearts to hear the exact words you have prepared for each of us. Make us more like Jesus and help us receive the words that you're going to give us this morning with obedience, hope, joy, and endurance particularly as we face very difficult trials. Thank you for giving us songs to worship you with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Psalm chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole thing. At Cornerstone, we preach and read through the ESV. And if you have your Bible with you, uh, you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have the ESV version of Psalm 3 reprinted on the back of that bulletin I hope you received. Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. 
But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. You may have noticed as I read the word Selah three times. It's a note in a number of the Psalms that is either a musical note or a reminder to really pay attention at what was just said. The Selahs come after verse 2. There is no salvation for him in God. That's the taunt of the enemy against the psalmist. You're being taunted. We're being taunted. David's being taunted. But the next Selah comes after verse 4. I cried aloud to the Lord. My enemies are taunting me. And he answered me. I got an answer. I was taunted. I heard a voice from the taunters. And I also heard a voice from the Lord. And the final Selah comes at the end of verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. We want to focus on these things. In Psalm 3, we want to focus on three things. First of all, what's the situation? And then second, what's the song? And third, what's the solution? Three things, three parts to our message. The situation, the song, and the solution. And I want to put a quote out there, which I think will help. Uh, Recently, uh, a sister in Christ uh, pointed out the work of theologian Ed Clowney. Uh, Some of you may have known him from uh, his time at Westminster Seminary or his relationship uh, with Rich Craven, um, the last senior pastor here before me, uh, with his family here. Ed Clowney is a name that uh, some of you know in a special way. And he, in his commentary on the Psalms, uh, said this, in, in speaking about the suffering in the Psalms, he says, the praise starts before the suffering stops. Let me say that, because this is a necessary thing in the Christian life. And you see it all over the place in the Psalms. So to quote Clowney, the praise starts before the suffering stops. You would think, well, I'll wait until the suffering stops and then I can praise the Lord. But you can't wait that long. You can't suffer well or with endurance unless the praise of that Lord walking with you through that suffering is on your lips. And so the praise starts in Psalm 3 before the suffering stops. Great quote. I'm going to say it a number of times this morning. Well, now let's look at the situation that caused David so much suffering. David has many enemies. He is king at this time when he wrote it. And now look at verse 1. King David writes, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. And now verse 6. Look at verse 6. 
I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. All right, raise your hand if you know for sure you have thousands of enemies. I mean, you can name them. I mean, you just know. Thousand, okay, not a lot of you. Well, David was king. And of course, all of the people of the other nations who were at war with Israel when David was king would have counted David his enemies. And yet, these aren't just outsiders. David had enemies among his own people. So David looks around his nation, Israel, which he is leading, attempting to lead with integrity. And he looks around and he doesn't see many friends, right? Look around the room right now. You should see a lot of friends and not a lot of enemies, right? I consider all of you my friends. I don't think any of you are my enemies. If I'm your enemy, please let me know and we can work it out. David looks around Israel as he is ruling during the time when Psalm 3 was written and he sees not many friends or many assistants or many allies. He looks around and says, verse 1, O Lord, how many are my foes? And the number of David's enemies is not shrinking. Look at the end of verse 1. Many are rising against me. Uh, The story Psalm 3 was written about takes place in 2 Samuel, and don't turn there, but you can read it this week if you're interested to learn more, starting around chapter 15. Uh, Before we talk about the situation, look at the title in your Bible if you have one. Some Bibles have headings and titles in the Psalms, and some don't. The, the heading says, Save me, O my God. That's how the ESV puts it. And then the title says, A Psalm of David, When he fled from Absalom, his son. All right. So David was known for many things. He did a lot of good things. He did a lot of bad things. One of the things David did was he went outside of God's design for marriage. He took many wives. He had many children with different wives. And there was conflict among his offspring. Who would be the heir? And there was infighting and jealousy and envy. And one of his sons from one of his wives was Absalom. And Absalom didn't just think, I'm better than all the other potential offspring. I'm better than all the other potential heirs of King David. Absalom thought, I would be a better king than King David right now. I would be a much better king than my dad. And so David had been king, but his son Absalom began to undermine his reign. Maybe you remember the story. Absalom uh, stood himself in one central location and people would come to King David or to the council for advice. And Absalom would say, I'll give you an answer. And he gave them the answer they wanted to hear. Of course, I would rule your side of this story if I was king and tell all of your friends that I would be a better king than my dad, David. That's what he did. He sowed the seeds of discord and division and doubt about King David all throughout the land and his word caught on. So when David writes, many are rising against me, he means his own people, his own countrymen and women. The word is spreading in Israel that David can't be trusted as a wise king anymore. David felt alone. His enemies were increasing. It's hard to think of a comp in U.S. history for something like this. I was trying to think of the closest one I could come up with. 
According to many polls, the least popular president in our history was Richard Nixon. And historians would say uh, it's because of the public views of Vietnam and also what happened during Watergate. And so Nixon would go down, according to many polls, as the least popular president in our history. But Nixon did not have it as bad as David. There was another man in the land trying to take over David's throne, going around spreading misinformation, lying about David, saying to all of the people, all of his subjects, David is not worth it. David cannot be trusted. And this man is assembling an army, starting a rebellion, going after David to try to assassinate him. And who was this great threat? Who was this awful enemy? This awful threat was David's own son, Absalom. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the agony? It's hard enough to have an enemy that you don't like. But what if your worst enemy who wants to kill you is your own son? Absalom, his name means my father is peace. So when David held Absalom for the first time, and those who helped deliver the baby said to David, you know, what do you want to name him? What do you want to name this boy? Well, in his counsel, he decided to name Absalom. Call that one, my dad is peace. And that son rises up and goes to war against his own dad. Talk about the poetic irony there and the pain, the intimate pain David is facing. And you think your Thanksgiving get-togethers are stressful. So what's the situation? What's the situation? David feels alone. He's losing influence in his country. Many enemies are rising up around him. And one of his main enemies is his own family member. Ouch. But he sings a song in the midst of that. While the pain is fresh. Because the praise starts before the suffering stops. And this is always what God's people can do. Not just David. God is always for his people when we go through trials like this. We are often in difficult situations. And God can always be worshipped even while the suffering continues. David had enemies and family troubles. So do we. Jesus also knew this well. Jesus had enemies and Jesus' own family didn't quite understand what was going on with him. They didn't quite get him. And when enemies surrounded Jesus, his friends were not there for him as much as he wanted them to be. In fact, Peter goes on on the worst night of Jesus' life to deny him three times publicly. But Jesus has come to defeat our enemies. And he came also to rescue our enemies because we at one time were enemies of God from our sin. And in the garden, as the enemies of Jesus grew stronger, Jesus praised the Lord before the suffering stopped. And the same applies to us, not just David, not just Jesus, but to us. We are not promised peaceful lives. We are not promised perfectly peaceful Thanksgiving gatherings. In fact, more and more in our country, 
Thanksgiving gatherings are getting more and more divisive, aren't they? More and more people are saying, I don't know if I want to get together for Christmas. There's more animosity. There's more division. We are not promised peaceful lives. We are promised persecution. We are promised enemies even in our own country. People around us who want us to have less influence. Look at verse 2. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. The people were saying, David, nobody's on your side anymore. God is not blessing you anymore. God is not on your side. And there are others who would say that God is not on our side as a church. Or God does not agree with what we think the Bible teaches. Or people in your family who think that God is not on your side. We're told we're on the wrong side of history sometimes. And sometimes those who are enemies against us have our own last name. That's the situation. How painful can it get? Who is God in those moments and how can we worship him in the midst of that kind of pain? Well, God will be glorified in the midst of that pain. He will. But who is he and how can we worship him? That brings us to our second point, the song. So we know the situation now. We know what's going on with King David. And now we'll get to the lyrics of the song. Four categories of lyrics for us. If you're going to sing a song in the midst of a trial like this, the lyrics are protection, peace, victory, and blessing. All right? Those are the lyrics. You want the lyrics to the song to sing this week? Protection, peace, victory, and blessing. And then after our sermon, we have two songs. The first one we're going to sing is actually Psalm 3 to a tune that you will all recognize. And uh, I'm looking forward to actually singing this with you. But let's learn the lyrics before we sing it. So the first lyric is protection. Look at verses 3 and 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. So think about your enemies. Think about those who are enemies against you. Maybe you love them, but they don't love you. Well, who could save David from his own son? Trying to kill him, trying to thwart his rule. Who could save David from all of his enemies, from the army? Well, not David. David could not stop this enemy himself. Only the Lord could save David. Only the Lord could protect David. So when you and I face enemies, what are the lyrics to our song? Who can save us? Not us. How many of you, and don't raise your hand, but think about it. You've been in a situation where you can say before the Lord, I have done everything I possibly could do. And I'm still despised. I'm still mocked. I'm still hated. I've tried reconciliation, prayer, love, generosity, patience, distance. I've tried everything and I still have someone who counts me an enemy. You can't change that heart, but the Lord can. He's the only one who can protect us. He was a shield for David and the Lord promises to be a shield for you and me. But he's not just some inanimate shield that you can put up to block some fiery darts thrown against you. He lifts up your head 
How intimate is that? When do you need your head lifted up? It's when your head is bowed down, when you're weak, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when you're frustrated, when you're crying and the Lord comes along and he lifts up your head. If you can't hold your own head up, the Lord says, I will hold your head up. I care about you that much. So he's a shield. He lifts up your head. He's also our glory. What a privilege it is to serve God through trials. It's his glory in our story when we face trials like this. And this God does not stay silent. He does not leave our prayers unanswered. Look at verse 4. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. So the Lord answers. The holy hill is the place of God's presence. Where do our answers come from? When you face a trial like this, where do your answers come from? Well, where are you looking? Are you looking to the holy hill, the place of God's presence, or are you trying to get all your problems solved elsewhere? The answer in trials like this can't come from your bank. It can't come from your lawyer. It can't come from your government. It can't come from your workplace, your school, your trophy case, or your social media feed. You can't go on social media long enough to acquire the peace that passes all understanding. It only comes from the Lord. But where do we go? We cry out to friends. We cry out to entertainment. We cry out to addictions. We cry out to sins. We give in. We look for the answer. But the Lord answers from his holy hill. And that is the place where we need to run when we pray for protection. So God answers from his holy hill and offers protection. That's the first lyric. The second lyric is peace. Look at verse 5. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Well, it's talking about being able to get sleep. Uh, The joke is that scientists have finally figured out why human beings need to sleep at night. Because when else would we charge our phones? A necessity in life, right? When else? When else? Uh, Sleep is really hard when you're suffering a lot, isn't it? I have the privilege of talking to a lot of people when they're suffering. And I have learned to ask this question very early on. Did you get any sleep last night? And often at the hardest moments... There's no sleep, barely any. I can't even lay my head down. I'm afraid of where my thoughts are going to go. Or I haven't slept well in days or weeks or months. The psalmist is saying, I had the kind of agony in my life, the kind of trial that was so grueling, and yet the Lord helped me get a night's sleep. And the praise of the Lord giving him peace through a trial like that so that he could sleep is on his lips. David sings a song. Look at verse 5. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. The psalmist remembers that since the Lord got me through last night and woke me up again today, God can get me through today. And maybe the Lord will again provide a night of sleep tonight. You sleep, but God stays awake. He does not sleep or slumber. He doesn't even nap. He doesn't take the night off. You have to give yourself up to the pillow. 
to give yourself up to controlling your life and your outcome, but the Lord stays awake and fights for you. And that's what he promises to do. He promises peace. That's the second lyric, peace. The third lyric is victory. Look at verse 7. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Ouch. Broken teeth? What's that for? Remember that the Psalms are poetic and they use poetic imagery to impress upon us who God is and what he does. Well, teeth all throughout the Psalms are a symbol, a poetic symbol for words and anger and your enemies. For instance, Psalm 35, 16, like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. Uh, I hate you. Uh, I mock you. Uh, picture the teeth, right? That's, that's what's going on here. Psalm 37, verse 12. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. So the psalmist is picturing his enemies growling, gritting their teeth, mocking, spouting hate. Ha, ha, ha. God's not on your side. You've failed. You've lost. You don't deserve it. You're an enemy. And so he pictures that metaphorically through the, the picture of teeth. And God offers victory. Verse 7, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And God does. He saves his people. He saved David from the assassination attempt and from the army of Absalom trying to overthrow the king and trying to see discord in Israel. God saved David. But God sent his son to save us all from sin. He saves us. And our great enemy is not the human being who doesn't like you the most. Our greatest enemy isn't Absalom. Our greatest enemy isn't the family member who doesn't like us. Our greatest enemy is Satan. And you know what he's throwing at you this week with his nasty, gritted teeth? Lies. Accusations. You worthless person. You awful person. You don't deserve forgiveness. Look at how you failed again. You can't be a child of God. Why would he love you? Look at the mess you've made. Look at how you did it again. I would never trust you. No one will ever love you. No one will be your friend. Nobody cares about you. I bet God has forsaken you. All of those nasty lies and accusations can come at us as God's children. The enemy is not going to stop. But Jesus is going to finally defeat Satan one day. And on the cross and on Easter when his tomb was empty, Satan had his biggest loss. On the last day, those nasty teeth of our great enemy, Satan, the liar, the accuser, will be finally broken and shut forever. Amen? Amen. That's what's promised in the lyrics of Psalm 3. Yes, our enemies may have another week, another month, another year, another decade to mock us and to spew hate on us. But those mouths will shut, be shut one day forever. And thanks be to God that we, if we are in Christ, 
have received the forgiveness from our own hate, our own mockery, our own poor use of our mouth and our teeth and our words because sin made us from birth enemies of God. But Jesus Christ has saved us through his blood and his death and his resurrection. So remember, as you think about your enemies, that we too were enemies of God. And as you pray for your enemies' mouths to be silenced, pray for their hearts to be made new, that they may use their mouth for the glory of the Lord and for the good of their neighbor one day, just like you have been redeemed if you are in Christ. So that's that third lyric. And the fourth lyric is blessing. So victory and then blessing. Verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. What is God's blessing for you when you go through trials like having an enemy in your own family? God's blessing is his presence with you in the meeting, on the phone call, in the house, in the neighborhood, on the family text chat, wherever you see potential enemies God promises he will be with you. His love will surround you. His peace will overwhelm you. His hope will be in your heart. His victory will be promised for you in the future. He offers that. Those are the lyrics. But there's a warning. We don't like this song, do we? The only song we want to sing is, Thank the Lord the war is over. I have no enemies left. Today will be all puppies and birthday cake, right? Or whatever your two favorite things are. That's the song we want to sing, but those aren't the lyrics that are going to get you through this week because you're going to suffer this week and I'm going to suffer this week and you're going to face trials this week. Some of you know your trials and some of you don't know yet, but it's coming Wednesday or Friday and you have no idea. And so may these lyrics be on your heart. Protection, peace, victory, and blessing promised for God's people, earned by the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And when you suffer... The praise needs to start before the suffering stops. I think Psalm 3 is a useful psalm to go to either first thing in the morning or maybe late at night. If you go to this psalm at night right before bed, well, you can remember that the troubles of my day have already come. The pillow is there and we've got to give up control for a night's sleep. But we can be reminded that God is there for his children even when we sleep. Are you going to wake up tomorrow? Well, the psalmist does. Or maybe you'll go to this psalm first thing in the morning. And you can thank the Lord that you woke up. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Because no matter how hard the day is, each day is a gift from God. Every morning, Psalm 3 reminds us that that day is a gift from our loving Heavenly Father. And since you woke up, that means God got you through yesterday. And he promises to get you through today. Well, to make these lyrics possible, whenever you sing them, at night or in the morning, or on Wednesday when the hardest trial comes and you didn't see it coming, whenever we sing these lyrics of Psalm 3, well, how are they even possible? Because of sin, we have enemies. The reason Psalm 3 exists is because sin is a reality and we have enemies and sometimes we're the enemy. There might be someone today hearing a message like this and they thought of you. 
as their enemy. And maybe they're praying for you. And maybe you're praying for them. We needed a savior for all of our sin because we were all enemies of God. And sin is in this world and we have enemies because of sin. So David, as he sang this psalm, knew he needed a savior for his sins. And we need that too, which is point three, the solution. Verse eight. How can we sing a song like this? Who has purchased these lyrics for us? Who has put this song on our playlist? Verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Well, now David looks past his own family trials. He's not just thinking about Absalom or even thinking of his own enemies. He's thinking about all of God's people. Everyone in Israel at the time who called on the name of the Lord. And we too can think about all of God's children. Your blessing be on your people. David's able, as he sings this worship song, to think past his own trial to God's plan. God's kingdom, God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Because the psalm doesn't end with David getting the solution immediately for his trial. The song doesn't end with David getting credit or even the people of God getting the credit. The song ends with God being praised. The praise started before the suffering stops. Because the Lord does accomplish his will. If you are in Jesus Christ, the Lord is for you, not against you. No weapon fashioned against his kingdom will prevail. And we receive the blessings from God, as we learned in Galatians 4, not by earning them and trying hard to get them. How are God's people blessed? At the end of verse 8, we're blessed because God, through his grace and mercy, blesses us. And our job is to wake up each day And praise the Lord and receive the gifts he graciously gives us. So how can that happen? Well, it's by grace through faith in Jesus. Jesus also had a really long night where Psalm 3 would have made sense for him to sing. In the garden on the night Jesus was betrayed, Jesus was surrounded by his enemies. His enemies were coming to arrest him. Not only that, he had been rejected for years by his own countrymen, his own people. He was failed by his friends. He asked his friends to stay awake and pray for him, and they fell asleep. He was denied by some of his followers, and he was completely rejected and sold out by one of the disciples. And Jesus wasn't going to get a chance to sleep that night, was he? He was kept up. He was going to be arrested, tortured, and executed by his own government. But in the garden for Jesus, the praise started before the suffering stopped. In Matthew 26, he says to his friends, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Sounds like Psalm 3. Remain here and watch with me. And then it says, going a little farther, Jesus fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father... If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus shows us the way. The praise starts before the suffering stops. And the Lord did answer that prayer. The Lord answered the prayer of Jesus that night so that you and I by grace could have our prayers and our cries answered. But the answer that night to his son was no son. There is no other way. We cannot take this cup away from you. You're going to have to drink it. 
so that our family can be blessed. So that the, the enemies of children of God could one day be thwarted. Jesus stayed up all night. He went to the cross to give you rest at night. His tomb is empty to silence your enemies, to bless the world. And everyone who would believe from every tribe, nation, and tongue could be former enemies saved by grace and be blessed by God. Not because they earned it, but because Jesus purchased these lyrics. For them and for you and me. This is our song. These are our lyrics. Jesus died to give us the song, but he is raised. He is alive. And we're blessed. It could be that God said, I set the world spinning. You guys figure it out. Good luck. But that is not The God we have. The God we have sent his son to defeat sin, Satan, and death so that you and I could sing songs like Psalm 3, which we're about to sing, which end with the lyrics of verse 8. A promise for you and for me and for everyone who has been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I'll end with verse 8, the final lyrics of our song. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, your grace is amazing. You don't forget about us. You know exactly what we're going through. You know who we thought of when we first thought today of an enemy. You know the pain some of us are going through because we have enemies in our family. But Lord, we were once your enemy and we're now in your family. So will you do the same for all of our enemies? Will you show them grace and mercy through Jesus? Will you open their hearts and minds to Christ? And will you give them the blessings of being in your family? And Father, when we have been enemies, when we have used our teeth for evil, for mockery, for slander, for hate, and for harm, Father, forgive us and remind us that your son Jesus used his words to give us life. So as we go through trials at night and in the morning and this week, may the praise of your son Jesus be on our lips. And thank you for giving us lyrics like Psalm 3, which end with your glory and blessings for us, your people. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.